Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. This is the podcast for marketers and for business owners who want to know what works with social media. And I'm super excited about today's show. We're going to do something a little different today. Today, we're going to explore why Facebook has been so successful, and we're going to get to the core of what the purpose is behind Facebook and how Mark Zuckerberg has been a leader and how he's used that purpose to grow his empire. And joining us today is Ekaterina Walter. She's the author of a brand new book called Think Like Zuck, and she also works for Intel Corporation as a global social strategist. So I think you're going to really enjoy this discussion, if you will, about what makes Facebook so successful and the underpinnings of it. Now, before we get to that interview, I have a really awesome discovery that I want to share with you. After untangling a school of anacondas, look what Michael Stelzner found. Now, one thing you may notice with this podcast is we use a lot of really cool sound effects in the background and a lot of music, for example, like this. This one's called Goosebumps. Basically, what I want to share with you is a cool website where you can find thousands and thousands of music tracks that you can buy. This one that you're listening to right now is called Goosebumps, and it's only $34. The website is called musicbakery.com. Musicbakery.com. What's really awesome about this is you can search for so many different kinds of sound effects. For example, that one was maybe something you might want to use if you're going to do kind of a scary kind of theme. This is one that's kind of cool. This one's called National Geographic. And it's got a little bit of uh, kind of an outdoorsy kind of cool percussion kind of sound. There are so many different sound effects that you can use, for example, in your podcasts, or let's say that you're doing a recording, or maybe you're doing, let's say, an award show and you wanted a really killer opening like this. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I I don't know who to um, give my thanks to for this wonderful award, but I just want to thank all the listeners for, for nominating the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm just at a, at a shortage for words. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You can see how um, there are literally so many different sound effects. That one was called Kleeg Lights, K-L-E-I-G Lights. And what's great about this website is once you find a theme, you can purchase like a three-minute version of it uh, and different segments of it, like five seconds, 10 seconds, 25 seconds. There's, There's so many sound effects on this thing. It's just absolutely amazing. You could spend all day long finding these really beautifully, professionally crafted sound effects that can make whatever you're doing sound that much better. So check it out at musicbakery.com. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. 
you won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. And with that, let's transition over to today's expert interview. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very pleased to be joined today by Ekaterina Walter. And if you don't know who she is, she is the global social innovation strategist at Intel Corporation. And she's also on the board of directors at the Word of Mouth Marketing Association. She's got a brand new book out. It's called Think Like Zuck, The Five Business Secrets of Facebook's Improbably Brilliant CEO, Mark Zuckerberg. Katerina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Happy to be here. So today, what we're going to talk about is the concept of purpose and how it can help drive the success of your business and specifically how it helped Facebook to build their empire. And I think it's a very intriguing concept. So um, let's start just to kind of back up for a second. Ekaterina, what's your story with Facebook? How did you come to kind of first experience the Facebook network, if you will? God, my, my story, my goes probably back to my personal use of Facebook and just um, finding out what it can do for me. Um, and what, what it did was really amazing is c- connect me to folks that I do know, connect me to folks that I don't know, but I had shared interest um, with, uh, discover interesting stories and, and, and uh, things that that I might have not probably discovered through um, additional other channels. Uh, really understand some of my connections a little better and see things in a new light where, you know, if you can't get on the phone with your friends, but you can see and follow them on Facebook and, and, and see what's important to them, you sometimes see your, you know, the people that you know in, in a different light and can connect around um, way more um, of you know, than just one particular passion point. Um, for business, from from business perspective, I'd say it went, it goes back about four years ago when Intel looked at engaging on Facebook with with its customers. And and first, we've sort of started a Facebook page and put out messages out there, just like any normal brand would, without kind of sort of thinking through what does the two way dialogue look like. And then very fast, we realized that that's not the right you know the right way to sort of approach. Um, our relationship with customers and we'll also realize that it is a gold mine of ability to build relationships right there on that digital platform in a different way. You know, going back, Intel used to, you know, 30 years ago, you know, 20 years ago, Intel used to go into computer clubs to find those uh, specifically tech-savvy people uh, and in, a, in those who are um, sort of trendsetters and using technology because those folks would then go on and, and tell the mainstream audience and their relatives and their friends. And, you know, if you talk to 50 people at a time, you'd be lucky, right? So imagine doing that, you know, face-to-face and some of that maybe over the phone. And here we have a Facebook platform that allows us to connect with now I believe almost uh, 15 million fans on our global page, over 20 million on across our multiple international pages on a daily basis, um, and truly engage with them and, and understand them and really have uh, meaningful conversations with them. That is unprecedented. That is something that uh, before Facebook that would never happen. You know, this is the biggest Intel community we were ever able to build globally. So from that perspective, um, as a uh, brand person, as a 
marketer, that was extremely exciting. And so for the past four years, we've been building those communities and engaging in those conversations and finding out new and amazing things about our customer base. I remember when I first met you, um, it was back in October of 2009 at the Marketing Profs Conference in Chicago. I don't know if you remember that or not. Oh, of course I do. You and Mari Smith and a couple of other folks. Yeah. Absolutely. So talk to me. um, I don't know if back then you were just getting started in the social realm. I know a lot of people that were there were like, you know, in this massive, we have to learn what this is all about mentality because it was just like the hottest thing on the planet. And we seemed all so immature back then, right? Compared to where we are right now. Kind of tell me what you, (laughs) if you remember what you were doing back then, tell me what you were doing back then and tell me what you're doing now for Intel. Running around in all kinds of directions trying to figure out what really social means to our business, um, honestly, right? So we've always been there. Um, and for those of us who are innately curious and passionate about what we do, it was it was a really interesting sort of uh, development and area to be with. So I continued to be lucky um, there in a sense of, you know, I have this role and I was able to paint a blank canvas for a number of years um, and really help lead and tell in that direction. So incredible luck. But, you know, back then, yes, you're right. We um, try to figure out, you know, should we do it internally? Should we outsource? What What is it? What is that it actually is? You know, how do you right. build the strategies? What are the networks around there? So, um Uh, I think back in 2009, that was for us, we were looking at the community we've built, and I believe back then it was um, tens of thousands, and we've been really trying to dig deep uh, and engage in conversations. So back then, I was was actually managing our community and engaging with our fans and understanding who they are and really having a ton of, spending a ton of time having a lot of conversations and figuring out who are they, what do they want to see from us content-wise. you know, what are the topics that they're passionate about and engaging in, you know, because there's, there's different types of audiences. There's business audience, IT audience, decision makers, consumers. So we try to figure out who they are and what content would serve uh, f- would serve them best. How can we add value? And so, you know, for a number of years, we've grown our um, communities organically pre- into a pretty large number. And then we, you know, just recently started to have a bigger programs that have also a little bit of a paid um, element in it. But back then, it's just figuring that out and trying to engage and just saying, hi, how can I help you? So today, what are you doing? I mean, simply, simply said, are you strategizing kind of where the future for social is going for Intel, specifically with just Facebook or also with other networks as well? All of them. Um, right now, we're really solid in our community management engagement, which we're still doing internally. We really have a um, good sense of how we measure it and what our success should look like. So right now, I'm focusing on what does the innovation look like for us going forward and um, where else um, – what are the parts of the company? What are the business units and teams? You know, need our help to become social savvy because our goal is widespread adoption throughout the company, and we've been rather successful, but we're not still not there. So, how can I help those uh, teams and those executives to really understand social and get on board and, and engage in the right and meaningful way? So, um, all of all of the above. Um, in your book, you, I'm going to quote a little uh, sentence out of your book. You said, "Great companies don't just create great products." They create movements. So let's talk about Facebook. How did Facebook create a movement? And I know you've been studying this for a number of years. So how did they create a movement? They... 
the whole purpose of Facebook and the whole purpose um, and passion of Marks is um, to make the world more transparent, connected. That's that's what drives everything, every single decision making, every single strategic decision um, by both Facebook's leader and Facebook as a company. Um, and we can talk about them creating a movement, um, you know, with Facebook where because of Facebook, there's been so many economical and political and, and nonprofit movements starting uh, and people rallying behind ideas. But the real true movement is what um, Zuckerberg really created with starting Facebook, with starting and growing Facebook. And that is the movement of making the world more transparent. Uh, I mean, he goes real deep with, with his passion. He talks even about more open and transparent governments, um, more open and transparent cultures, and how that will actually benefit benefit our society um, as a whole and get the world to more um, to more connected and 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 peaceful um, sort of world right and, and an environment um, so that that sort of in, internal belief was driving everything he's doing and continues to drive everything he's doing and everything the company is doing so if his um, movement is to make the world more transparent. How do you feel like he's gone about making that manifest itself, or how has Facebook helped that happen? Through several things, and one of them would be, I would say, the biggest one is creating the platform for people to create their own movements, um, to search their own freedoms, to draw attention to their own issues. Um, you know, it's quite interesting when the newsfeed launched, uh, it, people were against it because a lot of people were not ready for real open or a lack of really tight privacy control. So there's definitely always that issue of privacy, which I don't want to undermine. But interestingly enough, People were able, because of the newsfeed, people were able to actually learn about the launch of the newsfeed in the right way and rally, um, uh, you know, around that topic and express their opinions around that topic. So interestingly enough, the launch of the newsfeed itself was ironically approved that it does work, right? So people are people are saying this is what we want, this is what we don't want, and so the way Facebook created that the the, the tr more open and transparent world is giving that platform um, to movements out there uh, and to, to people out there um, to be able to express who they are, express their beliefs and rally behind the things that they, they truly support. What's the official stated purpose of Facebook? Well, I think the mission is is basically Facebook's purpose, and the Facebook mission um, is to make the world more open and connected. And on their um, the way Facebook states it right now, there's been different iterations throughout the years. Is they say um, people use Facebook to stay connected with friends and family, to discover what's going on in the world, and to share and express what matters to them. So that is their latest sort of a mission statement. So. Um in your mind, is a purpose and a mission statement somewhat synonymous? You know, I I believe so. Um, I think I think we've got lost. We've gotten lost in what is our mission statement? What is our goal statement? What is our objective statement? I think a lot of companies anymore. If you'll ask executives of a lot of companies, why do you exist? What is your single purpose 
in this world. I think you'll you'll find that most executives really uh, stutter and they are not able to fully to express the single, especially if you ask executives within the same company, they, they're not able to express the same single point of view. Um, interestingly enough, at Facebook, people know exactly where Mark Zuckerberg stands, exactly what they're driving towards, and exactly what their per- person and uh, purpose and mission statement is. So I, I believe it should be the same thing. It shouldn't be overly complicated. It should be, this is what we're put here to do. This is what we want to do. And honestly, if you want to be employed by that company, you should be going in into your interviews knowing that that is the mission and that is the purpose. You live and breathe and support. How do you feel that Mark Zuckerberg's understanding of the purpose of the company helped him decide to turn down all these offers early in the, uh, the growth of the company? Oh, yeah, turning down the billion-dollar um, offer, which was From Yahoo, very, right? well, very well covered in the media. I, I think it's simple. I think he did not believe that if somebody is to step in and have a say about where Facebook should be going, I don't think he believed that the mission and the purpose would stay the same. Um, I think he was uh, – very much afraid and continues to be afraid, and that's why he controls most of the, um, you know, voting rights and, and and shares is because he knows where he wants to take this company, and, and he's very passionate about it. And early on, he's been getting pressures from all kinds of sides, even his trusted advisors sometimes that say, you know, pump pump Facebook full of ads, do this and do that. You have to make money. And his whole purpose is I exist to for the users. I exist to make the world more open and connected. I, I, I make money to support my cause, not the other way around, right, that he stated in the IPO. Um, and so, so that, that was, I think, the reason why he, uh, he turned down the offers because he had a vision and he had a vision of building a platform around Facebook way before uh, that actually happened. So he, he carries around this little bug that's, you know, book of change where he scribbles his strategy. And I think he is one of those rare leaders that is very long-term focused and he sees way far, far ahead than anybody else. And the reason why he's partially reason why he's able to do that, not, not, not because he's brilliant, he is smart, but all because he has that purpose and he wants to stick to that purpose. You know, a lot of leaders, Leaders lost, lost the sight of what they were wanted to do with the company, and either you know expanded too wide, or um, they didn't go deep enough, or they sold the company and got a different leadership in place. So I think that is that was the reason why he turned down the offers is he doesn't feel confident enough that people will take the Facebook where it's supposed to go. I think this is such a key take-home lesson for anyone who's listening right now who owns their own business or is on an executive team of a business. When you have no purpose, then any particular opportunity that comes by is you're like a reed in the wind. You know, you just blow in this direction or you blow in that direction. And your future is really very undetermined. And Zuckerberg saw that if he was to sell too early to someone like Yahoo, who clearly was making their money off of advertising, that would be taking his whole idea of being open. Um, I forget exactly what it was, uh, making a more open and connected world, maybe less open and less connected because people would feel like they were just being sold at every single turn. So um, 
this is something that I've even struggled with at Social Media Examiner. Like when we were only two months old, we had multiple acquisition people come to us wanting to buy us right out of the gate. And I said, no. And I've said no like four or five times because I know what I'm trying to do here. And nobody can really do it the way you can do it. And I think if you don't have a purpose, then, you know, there's a reason why we've seen so many come and go, isn't there, Katarina, in the yeah, social absolutely. world? Exactly, exactly. Your story is a perfect story that, that supports that point. I, I love it, by the way. I love your story. So let's talk about Facebook's slogan, the journey is only 1% finished. How does that, first of all, explain what that means. What that means is that um, there's always somewhere to go with your product and with your, or with your service. We, we, we're not there. We're not going to rest on our laurels and we're not going to sing ourselves a, a winner's song, right? It, it's this constant uh, sort of a hack away, constant process of iteration and, and becoming more perfect, making the product more useful to, the, to its users. So if the boss, Mark Zuckerberg, has a slogan that the journey is only 1% finished, how does that drive the culture of the company, in your opinion? What, does, what kind of impact does that have on, on what happens inside the business? Um, it really creates agility. It creates sense of urgency. I mean, even their buildings are not finished on purpose. If you go into almost any Facebook campus, that's the, the whole unfinished look and, and just sort of work in progress look is there specifically for that so that it reminds people that you, they have to collaborate, they have to continue to come up with the great ideas, they have to test things out, they have to prototype and 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 continuously improve the service um, all the time. So we're not going to just sit down and relax and say, whew, that's done, right? Um, so that, that sort of environment really creates the sense of urgency and sense of, of agility. And um, he has been really adamant about keeping his his team pretty small. I mean, they're growing, but they're not growing as, as fast as some of the other companies who, you know, exploded within a number of years. How many people um, work there, still- do you know? They, they have about 4,000 people right now. That's still um, crazy big, I mean, in the grand scheme of things. Don't you think that's pretty good size? I mean, for, for, for a company that is, quote unquote, kind of still a startup, even though they're not. I mean, that seems rather large. You know, it, 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 they have a big company. I don't know. Um, I don't know exactly what, you know, if you kind of take, take a look at Google and, you know, Amazon and others and uh, compare what they've had for the workforce. But I know that their marketing teams, their PR teams, their other teams, non-engineering teams are rather small. Mm. Um, that's the reason why they cannot address all the issues and all the tickets, support tickets that come their way because they're really, really focused on um, making the product more amazing. They have more engineers than they would have any other operational support staff um, because of that, because that of, of the principle of this is the company of engineers, this is a company of developers, and we are here to create amazing products that users might want to, um, you know, use or would love to um continue to be on, right? So um, I, I think um, you know, there's there's certain things to be said from that. And from a marketing perspective, I have a particular, you know, opinion. From a user perspective, I have a particular opinion. But the reality is that that whole uh, Our Journey is 1% Finished, which is on posters, on stickers. They made stickers um, um, out of, you know, that saying, just, just the whole look of their campus. I think that, you know, you look at that and you say, this is this is the company that understands that they, you know, and being a heart of Silicon Valley. There's a Valley lot of work to be done, right? 
company, they can't just sit down and, 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 and say, oh, well, look at that. We've arrived. As soon as you do that, you're done. And so I think that is the constant thing that's on, on the back of Zuck's mind. I think it's great. Um, what do you think Google Plus's uh, emergence did uh, to the team inside of Facebook? Do you think that just spurred that we're not done even more? You know, probably. And if it did, it's it's great. <laughs> You know, there's uh, there's always, um, I think why Facebook is so great and why a lot of companies are so amazing that, that I that I talk about in my book, you know, like Dyson and, and the Zappos and others, the great companies, they don't look at their competition or perceived competition and, and stop and, and point a finger and say, oh, look at them, they're doing that, we have to do the same thing. The great leaders drive their companies with the awareness that there is, you know, competition or there is a similar product out there. But but looking forward, and I think that's what really distinguishes those companies because they do have a purpose. They know where they're going. They don't have to stop and look around and say, "What else are others are doing?" You know, what wh- what is it that we're missing, right? And emulate or imitate them. There's definitely some lessons to be learned from from knowing your environment and knowing your market. Uh, however, the, the really truly impactful companies really look forward and saying, "We know where we're going. We know why this is coming. We definitely." Need to be aware, but but we, we are on our own path, and that's what makes them um, successful and original, and and constantly um, evolving. Earlier in this discussion, you mentioned the hacker way. Can you describe what that is and how maybe it encourages or helps employees of Facebook? Um, the hackaway is a principle of um, never be done, never be satisfied, always be, be always iterating and always innovating. And um, what um, what they're doing within Facebook is um, one of the their kind of sort of a signature features is hackathons. And that is, you know, every now and then um, engineers get together and they work through the evening and through the night. They order they order the food and they um, work on the product other than the products that they're currently working on. So somebody could initiate it, Zuck could initiate it, or an employee could send a message to the whole engineering department and say, hey guys, do you want to you hack? Sure, let's do it. So they get together and they um, talk about products, talk about new ideas that, that other people might have. They kind of um, pick the projects that they, they are they're passionate about and that's never been done or the project somebody else is working to support them. And they just basically code. They code, they code the code. And what comes out of it is the, the prototypes. Um, the whole idea of ha- hackathons is there's got to be a prototype at the end of it. Do not bring Zuckerberg an, an idea. Do not talk about act. And that's what I love about this concept is Stop talking about it. Stop having meetings about the meetings about the meetings. Just right? do it. <laughs> Let's freaking do it. I know this, and that is, I think, again, another critical feature that I've seen throughout my career, and you know, in startups within the brands that that really distinguishes successful people. Let's go do it. Just do it. And so, um, and so, what what then happens is you you come up with a prototype. Um, or, or an example of, of a code that you can come in and, and bring to the leadership team, including Zach himself. And he loves seeing those because he's still very much um, in touch with what's going on with the product. That's something he's passionate about while, you know, Cheryl is going and supporting the operational side. And so you bring it over and, and people look at it and they say, well, you know, that'll work or that will not work. They ask you questions. And some of those products basically said, "Go, do, let's just go do it. So right after the hackathon, 
people get excited about it and say, that's a great addition. Let's go and implement it. Just go push this code live, right? So um, features like chats, like newsfeed, like, you know, timeline all came out of um, hackathons. So that's brilliant. That's is it yeah, just like a weekend like, kind of thing or is it like uh, do they have these scheduled twice a year or something? Do you know how that works? I think they're trying to do one once a month. Like I said, it depends on who initiates it. So, for example, uh, before pre-IPO, um, instead of going out and celebrating, Zuckerberg said, we're having a hackathon. We, we, we're having a hackathon and then we're going to hack all the way for the night, right? That's just sort of a, this interesting new cultural way to, instead of celebrating, we're going to even, um, we're going to, you know, focus and ship, right? That's 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 the whole thing. And so um, sometimes once a month, sometimes more often, if if somebody initiates it about the idea that they have or just want to have a small hack or a larger hackathon, any engineer and everybody's welcome. And it's, it's interesting because even lawyers come into those and seeing what's what's in development, what people are working on. And huh. so they just go through the night. Um, and then so I think they also took that idea outside and started having um, sort of a, the, the um, hack cups or sort of the bigger um, external events where they any coders can come in from around the world and participate in you know challenges and and be awarded um uh, money but also be noticed as well so was it it, it's funny mike one more thing is on their hr page you know they say if you want to work for facebook here's a small challenge if you if you if you solve those challenges you'll get an interview so you know it's 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 that integration of the hack away into everything they do that's interesting um what year do you know what year facebook was founded approximately 2004 February 2004 Okay so they're what uh, 8 years old approximately okay. where do you where do you, so let's move forward into the future 8 years where do you see if they continue to keep their purpose and their focus where do you see this organization going let's say 8 years from now Oh, I think um, eight years. Wow, eight years is um, I think is pretty far far ahead looking. Um, however, you know, I uh, the people suggest that um, there is so many different uses and so many ways it could go. I think it's really absolutely possible that Facebook is integrated into our lives and everything we do. I mean, you know, hey, maybe integration with Google Glasses, where you wear those glasses, you walk around everywhere, and you are able to identify where your friends are based on and their location or who is currently, you know, checked in um, out of your Facebook friends where, right, right away in the visual format. Um, but I think that the where Zuck wants to take it is his whole idea for what would it look like if Facebook is successful? That's what it, what his idea is. In five years, everything that we do on the net would do considering people. So having people in mind while you develop any solutions. Meaning, if you play games, um, they're very social. If you watch TV, you watch it with other people. Um, That's the movement that Facebook started and that's where they continue to go. They want to influence every single thing um, that is happening online and offline to bring people together to connect them and have them give them an ability and platform to do things together. That's whole. That's his whole purpose. That's his whole idea. And you know, he mentions that in in, in several interviews. So it, I think that the sky is the limit on how Facebook can be integrated. Right? Integrated into our car functions. I think Mercedes is already coming out next year with with Facebook function actually being integrated into their um into their dashboard maybe um, even on remote controls for tvs right 
Absolutely. So, so no matter where you go, you can bring your friends with you. If you want to do shopping right there electronically for multiple things and you're in store and you want to do it real time, that's already happening, right? So it's the anything. I think the whole ultimate purpose is bring your friends wherever you go and the ability to immediately connect with new people um, as you are going for your life, right? So, so that's what. That's, okay. One one last question. Um, what do you think marketers and business owners who are listening right now should take home from this discussion that we've been having today about Facebook? Passion matters. Be passionate about your customers, how and where you connect with them. It doesn't matter what and how you do it. What matters is that they know that you're passionate about them and you're there uh, to serve them and you're there to help them. Action matters. Take Take the matters into your own hands. If nothing is happening, go innovate. Um, I do not believe for a second that if you're within a large brand and you're not, you know, in a position of influence that you cannot influence, you absolutely can. All you need to do is is take a little bit of risk and, and do what you think is right for your customers. Um, agility matters. Do it in real time. Um, ensure that, that the, all the processes that you have in place are aimed on satisfying your customers' needs uh, in real time and bringing your stakeholders along, those who don't believe in real time. (laughs) Um, You know, failure is absolutely an option. Um, You know, heck, if something doesn't work, flip it on its its head. Um, I think think it's, you know, we really undervalue curiosity and naivete and that, and these, having those, you know, things in your emotional arsenal is totally okay. You know, just asking questions, putting it in the other way and just flipping it on its head. I mean, that's what Dyson does with all their products. I talk about it and him, you know, and his approach in, in our book. And and to, to close it with, have a clear purpose. Understand what you're doing. If you right now listening and you don't know what your small business or what your large brand's purpose is, go find it out, scribble it on, on a piece of paper, Put it, stick it on your wall, memorize it, and live it every day. Ekaterina, that was awesome. Where can folks learn more about you and your new book, Think Like Zuck? Um, several places. It's already on Amazon and all the major retailers. Um, I have a book site called thinklikezuck.com, uh, Z-U-C-K, of course, um, but, um, you know, they can connect with me on my blog. And if, if they have general inquiries, it's ekaterinawalter.com. And then I'm on Twitter, at Ekaterina. Ekaterina Walter, author of the new book, Think Like Zuck. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day today to share your insights with us. Thank you for the invitation, Mike. It's been a pleasure. It's been absolutely my pleasure. Well, be sure to check out Ekaterina Walter's uh, new book, Think Like Zuck. Also want to mention that you can get the show notes for this particular podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 23. That'll take you directly to the page with all the links of everything we've spoken about on this show. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, I would be so indebted if you wouldn't mind sharing it with your friends. The easiest way to do that is by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash love. You can do this right now, even from your mobile phone. This will pre-populate a tweet in your Twitter stream and let everybody know that you appreciate this podcast. Also, I've been mentioning, so this does bring us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. If you love what you've heard, please do us a favor and head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. And you can do that at socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. iTunes. 
I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.